without further ado, I get to announce the speaker, who is my wife, Rachel. And she's only spoken, I think, once in the last nine years. Um, Rachel is a licensed clinical therapist, and she worked in community mental health for like 10 years. Yeah, something like that. Well, here seven, but before that, even in Minnesota. Um, you know, she has her own, uh, I would say she has a niche where she's done a lot of thinking about the intersection between mental health and spirituality. She wrote a book that I think was the first book written by a woman coming out of the evangelical space by a queer woman. You know, it was like in that era when there were a lot of, uh, a lot of the guys like Justin Lee and Matt, uh, Matthew Vines were writing their books. Rachel had the first book come out with her story as all these people were bearing witness to what it was like to be queer in that space. As a result of that, Rachel Held Evans um, asked her to speak at the first Why Christian Conference. So I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with that. Reverend Ann over at St. Clair, I don't even know if I told you this, Rach, but when I had lunch with her, she was like, oh, I knew about Rachel. I saw her speak at Why Christian. Um, so she was really excited to meet her. So I don't want to like overbuild Rachel up, but she <laughs> we've been doing this series on right, like healing communities and mental health. And I was like, you know, she really does have something I think to contribute here. And so without further ado, the wisest, kindest woman that I know, a great partner who makes me laugh all the time. She's quiet, but she is funny. Don't let her fool you. <laughs> Rachel Murray. <laughs> I thought I turned. Oh, there we go. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, back in February, I learned that we would be doing a series on mental health. And at that time, I was completing some of my own continuing education requirements. So I was taking some courses on trauma and recovery. And part of that training included a segment on resiliency. And it stood out to me as being meaningful to like broader audiences. So I told Emily I'd be willing to talk about that if she thought it would be helpful. And she said it would, so here I am. Um, I plan to share some of the things that I've picked up in that training that stood out to me, some things from other like educational experiences, um, my own life and practice with clients. Um, working as a therapist, I see a lot of people's pain. And I hear about the absolute worst side of humanity and the pain caused by our human brokenness. But I also see people find really ingenious ways of coping. Coping with grief and trauma and hardship. And I get to see people find strength and growth in the midst of suffering and um, really terrible experiences. But knowing, good that, knowing that good can come out of our trials brings me a lot of hope. And I think like most therapists, I've experienced my own personal crisis, crises uh, that led me to get help, led me to find support from others, and to learn from experiences of pain. Um, so none of this is untested. But talking about resiliency is tricky because it is tied to our pain. And we're in a culture that often tells us to move on, to get over it, um, don't get upset, uh, hurry up and get back on your feet. So many of our cultural messages tell us that we have to be strong and that our pain is not acceptable. I think most corporations offer about three days bereavement when we lose a member of our family, and then it's back to work. 
And so many of us have been taught that showing emotion is a weakness. And so I'm cautious about promoting resilience in a way that fosters these false messages, that hiding our pain is a strength, because that's not what I mean. At the same time, it does seem valuable to discuss what are the things that help us through hard times, and what are the qualities that foster resilience and growth, because we will face challenges. There's no avoiding that. Uh, the kids in our lives will face challenges, too. And so how do we help them build the skills they'll need to thrive whatever challenges they may face? So I'll share some definitions of what I mean by resilience and what I don't mean, um, some thoughts on how to build resilience for ourselves and how to help the kids in our lives uh, build these skills for whatever lies ahead for them. And so resilience does not mean that we're not impacted by the challenges we face. It doesn't mean that we don't get depressed, that we don't cry, get mad, panic, experience failure, or anything else. It doesn't mean we have to put on a strong front when we're not feeling it. Resilience is about rebuilding from a low place and not about just painting the, the facade uh, when the house is crumbling. And I also think that resilience is not just something you have or you don't. It's something that can be nurtured. And so if you're not feeling particularly resilient, it doesn't mean that you missed out on that trait, but maybe that you haven't had the support that you've needed. And so resilience can be learned and can be practiced. And so I'll spend a little time on what I think resilience is. Resilience can be both a process and an outcome. It's a process in that we can always grow in our ability to recover. We can develop skills and flexibility, which just allows us to consider multiple possible responses to situations instead of just our knee-jerk reactions. Optimism and hope can be fostered as a process and a practice that helps us through difficult times. As I prepared, I encountered a lot of different definitions of what resilience means. Um, one of my favorites was this that resilience is not about pushing through or soldiering on. It, it represents our ability to meet challenges we encounter each day, finding the resources, both internal and external, to weather those challenges with the least amount of negative consequences to our bodies, hearts, and souls. And what I take from that is that resilience is about getting through hard times with a very low bar of not making things worse. But it's actually not such a low bar, because it's really easy to make things worse when we're hurting. In all our efforts to avoid pain, uh, we try to push it away, um, and we turn to things that feel good in the moment, but um, can make things a lot worse in the long run. And so I think we practice resilience anytime we can avoid the things that cause us harm and choose the things that help us in the long run. But in addition to being a process, resilience is also an outcome in that it's possible to go through an exceptionally hard time and look back on it and say, I'm stronger as a result. And now I don't necessarily mean to say I'm stronger because of what happened. Telling other people that bad things happen for a reason or that God caused bad things to happen can be a really painful message and can cause harm. But it can be helpful to identify, I'm stronger now not because of what happened, but because of how I worked through those circumstances. 
we can come out of a difficult time with more strength and resources than we ever had before. And so in that way, it can be an outcome. A second helpful definition I found is that resilience has two components. It includes the ability to respond with flexibility in the moment, and then to return to calm again after the event. So it, again, it's not that we don't get activated, but that we're able to act with some wisdom and to eventually be able to calm our bodies again. And the timeline on that's going to vary greatly based on uh, what it is that we're going through, the nature of the challenge. And so despite the challenges in talking about resilience, I still thought it was worth discussing because it's a needed skill. There's no shortage of pain in our world, and experiencing hardship of some kind is a certainty. So building our capacity to tolerate adversity is essential. It's an important thing to teach the kids in our lives, whether it's your own children or other children um, in your family or in your workplace. So it makes sense to collectively identify resilient behaviors and characteristics. And so I have a few thoughts on building the resilience muscle. My first two points I'm stealing from a fellow social worker, uh, Teresa Lewis, has a great TED talk on raising resilient kids. And she's been a school social worker, a child therapist, and mother of four, and named several things that help kids to um, foster resilience. And the first is that um, we need to teach that adversity is not personal. Kids tend to internalize what's going on around them. They often believe they're to blame when they're hurting. So we can help kids by teaching them that struggling is part of life, and that it doesn't mean they've done something wrong, and that it's certainly not their fault. And kids aren't the only one that fall into the self-blame. Um, depression and grief are both accompanied by this kind of inappropriate guilt. And it takes time to unlearn that habit of um, turning blame on ourselves in hard times. So rather than seeing emotional pain as a sign that something's wrong with us, it may help to see it as part of the human experience and a sign of needing support. Which leads to my second point. Uh, Teresa Lewis also shares that we need to teach our kids that it's okay to need other people. It's okay to get help and rely on others. And we can teach this with our words, and we can model it in how we live. And third is similar, but we develop resilience through community connections and through mutual support. And most of us are here, I think, because we've experienced the value of being connected in community. And I believe in this church because of the community that's been developed here. And, you know, I feel some embarrassment for the choices I've made in regard to religious communities in the past. <laughs> I was not born into an evangelical home. I chose to join a very intense Christian group in college, and that decision came out of my own vulnerabilities at the time, both in really longing for connection and community, and also this hope that God could heal the parts of me that felt broken. And here I found it really healing to encounter others who understand both the reasons I found such strong belonging in those communities and the harm caused by them. And I find a lot of comfort in knowing that there were others here who didn't grow up in these evangelical chooses, churches, but chose them, um, resulting in this confusing mix of like good and bad outcomes. And so communities that allow us um, to show up 
to admit the mistakes that we've made and be accepted. Um, these communities can reduce shame and can allow us to heal. My fourth thought on building this resilience muscle is to tend to the needs of our physical bodies. The last decades, um, mental health communities have put a lot more focus on this. We've been grown a lot more aware of um, how our physical bodies react to trauma and grief and how the bodies really kind of store these events. And it's easy to lose touch with what our bodies are telling us when we're under stress. We might ignore the signs of stress until they're impossible to ignore, or we might neglect healthy habits that we otherwise try to keep up. And our bodies let us know when something needs attention. So making peace with our physical bodies and responding to signs of stress can be immensely helpful. And so next is to foster self-expression and creativity. And this can look like so many different things. But I think developing hobbies might be one of the most undervalued life skills. And hobbies can be easily neglected when so many other things just demand our time and attention and money. But having outlets for creativity and for personal enjoyment and learning, they just really enrich our lives. And I think we have some great hobbyists in this community. Um, I find it really fun and interesting to learn um, just the different niche interests people have and develop simply for their own enjoyment. And the last tip is to foster optimism and hope. And again, not in a way that minimizes current pain, but helpful optimism allows for acknowledgement of how painful the present may be and how difficult it may be to find a way forward, but holds tightly to hope instead of to despair. And so lastly, I think we're able to thrive when we have the safety and support that we need to be seen and given space to feel whatever needs to be felt. And we have a tre tremendous capacity for growth, even in difficult times. But we need support for that to happen. And so Emily is going to uh, lead us in a meditation. But thank you. I married well, didn't I? <laughs> did a good job, sweetie. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. I think, that's a really, um, I think that's a really helpful thing for us to remember even as a community because I do see this community as a place where we're trying to reduce shame, especially when many of us have come from spaces where maybe that shame knob was maybe turned way up, right? Or whether because you're gay or you, you have a queer kid or you're just an ally or you were just more progressive than the space that you came from. That's not everybody here, but we, we have a lot of people who come from those spaces. And so I thought for the meditation, maybe we could just, sometimes we do a minute of silence or a little guided meditation. I thought maybe we could just take a minute here um, and express whatever it is that you want to the God of love, however it is that you imagine this God whether that's like hope for healing or just maybe feeling the spirit just wash you over with acceptance with just how you are. So we'll spend about a minute, people and babies make noises. I'll let you know when that's over.
Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us to be a shame-reducing community. Let us be the kind of space where we can um, hold each other with a wide berth and accept each other as we are. I ask that you would help calm any of the voices in our heads that tell us that we're not enough. I ask that you would help us unlearn any messages that have been harmful to us um, about you and about our belonging in the family of God. We ask that this would be a place of healing um, and that your spirit of love would be present and flowing through us. We ask this in your name. Amen.